Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Happy, happy Wednesday, everybody. It's finally, finally hump day. It's also February 8th, and today is National Laugh and Get Rich Today. Ha, 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 ha. That's what I'm talking about. It's my kind of a day. National Fly a Kite Day. That's what I tell Joe Biden after all of his speeches last night. National Iowa Day. National Propose Day, so all the people getting married. And, of course, it's National Boy Scouts Day. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And make sure you use that little QR code in the top left corner of your screen to find where we live on all these different social media platforms. If you're joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, we're going to pay a quick bill and we're going to get right back into the news because we got a hot topic for you guys today. Run it, Adam. If you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sa to see why our terps don't lie. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. We're keeping everybody live and on their toes because we're switching some things up today because today we're going to have a little extended version on a, on a serious conversation. But we have the dope dad himself. That's right, Rico Lamite. When he's not wearing Lakers gear, you can find him maybe in Clippers colors. That's right. Oh, yes. He's constantly changing diapers and constantly swishing dirty duck ones in the trash. That's right. Is the dope dad himself, Rico Meat. Much love, everybody. Thank you, Jason. And um, Diaper Genie, man. It's the Diaper Genie. Don't put a diapers in a regular. Oh, boy. Regular trash can. Gotta get right used to that. <laughs> now, um, as a rule, we do not usually cover puff pieces or op-eds on Hyatt 9 News, but in lieu of Black History Month, a piece written by an industry friend I've known for years popped up on my daily news tracker yesterday. So relevant and timely, I had to reach out to the author and ask if they'd join us for what I believe is a long overdue discussion that needs to be had in cannabis, a family discussion, if you will. 
I consider myself to be a freedom of speech absolutionist. For real. And um, I think everybody should be able to say what they want whenever they want, so long as they know some of those words are going to come with consequences. Growing up in Virginia in the 80s, I fell in love with sports, seeing the Washington Redskins win multiple NFL titles. Never knew that the name was a racial slur. I ignored public pleas to, to change it and kept using the term because I never heard a Native American complain. First time I did, I stopped. Teenage years, 20s through my early 30s, never knew marijuana was offensive. My mid to late 30s, when I, the game changed and became an industry, I was told that it was by a Mexican friend. I stopped saying it. Kind of. Still, I let it slip every now and again. And um, so ingrained in my everyday lexicon, but I do try not to. And if you look back on all the stories we've covered, you'll hear me fumble every damn time I try to sub MJ or replace it with cannabis out of respect for those who may take it harshly. My whole life, I always use black market when referring to any type of shady business done off the books. Never thought twice about it. This person's one of the folks years ago who helped me evolve on that one. Now, I'm pretty fluent in either calling it the underground, the trap, or my new favorite, the freedom market. Why? Because words matter. Let's get into it, y'all. The Director of Drug Markets and Legal Regulation at the DPA, Vice Chair of the Cannabis Regulators of, Co of Color Coalition, and a distinguished cannabis policy practitioner in residence at the Ohio State University Moritz College of Law's Drug Enforcement and Policy Center. And from 2017 to 22, this person served as the first executive director of LA's DCR. Cat Packer, great piece in MJ moment yesterday. And I know that we're on borrowed time with you here, so I'm gonna dive right in. What is wrong with calling it the black market? Hey, uh, good What's afternoon. Uh, good morning, folks. I'm, I'm, I've relocated from LA to the, to the East Coast. Uh, so it's, it's noon over here. Uh, but uh, good morning and happy Black History Month. Uh, part of the challenge for me uh, in, in hearing the, the term Black market, just uh, imagine uh, growing up as a, a, a little Black boy or a little Black girl, uh, and there's all of this language, all of this language, uh, where uh, we have this kind of false dichotomy and false uh, binary where we, we use uh, the word Black to mean uh, things that are negative. So it could be things like uh, black list, black male, the difference between uh, a white lie and a black lie. Uh, our, our language is just full uh, of these terms uh, that reinforce uh, black is bad uh, and, and white is good. Uh, and so in the piece that I wrote for uh, Marijuana Moment, uh, where I talk about the problematic use of the term uh, black market is really a story about uh, my understanding, my exploration of understanding the, the impact of uh, racism, uh, marijuana prohibition, uh, and policing on black and brown communities. Uh, and, you know, not my opinion, but the reality uh, that uh, cannabis was made illegal uh, as, a, as a, a, an intention to criminalize black and brown folks. Uh, and not only was that the intention, uh, but it was successful. Uh, you know, racism, uh, marijuana policy, uh, and <laughs> systematic uh, racism in policing has been successful uh, in creating the disparities uh, that it intended. And so uh, I've really struggled over the years uh, since I started in, in marijuana law and policy uh, to, to continue to use a term uh, that equates Black with illegal 
when there's so much uh, harm, so much racism uh, that has been unaddressed. Uh, to me, every time I hear it, I cringe. Uh, I, I think about uh, you know, the, the ever-present racism uh, and the fact that we, we still haven't addressed it. We're, we're still dealing with very basic uh, issues in this country as it relates to race. Um, in, in your piece yesterday, thank you for writing what you did. I thought it was so eloquently put there, and uh, you avoid a lot, uh, avoided a lot of the the troll traps that uh, some people do put out there when they're uh, <coughs> talking about uh, change the language and the lexicon surrounding that term. Um, but you did say that um, you were in Seattle and uh, made the same comment, and you were um, uh, you were followed by a white um, a lawmaker who made light of it and made a joke, um, tried to make a joke out of it. What was that experience like? How did that make you feel? So I just, I think it's important to remind folks for context. Like when I started with the city of Los Angeles and was appointed uh, as the director of the city of Los Angeles Department of Cannabis Regulation, there were no other persons of color who were regulators in this country. And so uh, I, I dealt with uh, you know, what a lot of black and brown firsts uh, deal with in spaces uh, where, uh, you know, we're, we're not only dealing with the substance of the policy, uh, but we have to just change the narrative. It's, it's different, different, uh, difficult to change uh, policy when we're struggling uh, with the narrative. And so I wasn't, uh, it wasn't unusual uh, for me to be in spaces where I may be the only uh, black or brown uh, person uh, in a room, and it and because we're you know in America and we're in cannabis spaces, it, it naturally wasn't the only uh, place where folks were going to have uh, racist opinions. But I went to Seattle, Washington, to uh, meet with a group of organizers on the ground who had invited me. Uh, this was uh, back in I want to say uh, 20, 2018. Uh, I was a regulator uh, at the time. At this point. Uh, but I made a pitch to the crowd, like I made uh, lots of pitches to the audiences that I would speak to at the time, uh, and made a request. You know, I'm not, uh, I believe in free speech as well. Uh, you know, I'm not telling folks not to, to say this. I'm, I'm raising this issue uh, because I, I think it's of concern, and I'm asking as a Black uh, person who was offended uh, by this language. Uh, and so I made the pitch to the crowd. I mean, the crowd was, was relatively friendly. Uh, to, to not equate the term black uh, with illegal. Uh, and it's not so much because the, the history of the words are associated, that's another debate, uh, but there's this present context, this context that is, exists today uh, with the criminalization of, of cannabis and its enforcement. Uh, and I raised this issue and I, I left the stage and sat down. Uh, and as soon as I sat down, uh, a white man who was an elected official took the podium uh, and made reference, immediately made reference to my request not to equate black with illegal uh, and chuckled and said, tomato, tomato. Uh, and so, you know, when I, when I have conversations with folks and uh, they, they raise issues and say, well, we're, you know, it's not about racism, it's, it's not about uh, this dichotomy, uh, that's not what's being reinforced in the larger social construct. Uh, and because we're not having a conversation about what's happening and the larger social construct, the fact that you know, uh, we, we still have people who don't believe that racism, racism exists. We still, despite you know, data uh, about black and brown disparities, feel as though that you know, people who feel as though black and brown folks weren't disproportionately uh, impacted. Um, I think it's, 
you know, we, we can't be in, the, in this situation where we're simultaneously using an everyday term, you know, people who are in this space use this term every day uh, that equates black with illegal when we're not having this conversation about the larger context. I, I think uh, it, it feels like a slap in the face to me. Agreed. Agreed. Um, definitely appreciate you uh, joining us uh, today. Anybody else on the team or in the audience have um, have any questions or want to get this conversation popping here? Man? I mean, I mean, I mean, the chat the chat is lighting up um, yeah. already. Um, and 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 to 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 Sean Kernan's point, he's saying I support Cat's view, but to your point, Anna, no one understands you when you don't use the word black market. Now nah, you just explain it to him, bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I came up with the term freedom market myself. Um, we, 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 we like we like freedom market. We support we support that term here at High and It's what it's actually about. It's it's freedom from regulations. It, it it points to the fact that this is a plant that we can all grow and we don't actually need anyone's permission to grow it, share it, trade it or sell it. Kat, um, what were you saying? Please. Sarah. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think part of it is that, like, it's not nuanced enough. Like, we're, 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 we, we made progress in this space, right? And so, like, I feel like to, to use color as an adjective to describe things that are much more nuanced is, one, just lazy. Um, but but it's, I, I, I've often had to ask the folks, like, well, what, what are you actually trying to describe? And when I ask folks what they're actually trying to describe, I actually get a lot of different definitions a lot mm -hmm. of times folks would tell me that it meant illegal and that's that's my problem i don't have an issue with the word black i have an issue with using the word black to mean illegal right. uh, but when i would have this conversation with folks some folks are literally talking about folks that don't have licenses other folks are talking about people who sold uh and and uh, grew cannabis before legalization other folks are talking about people who uh, just aren't participating uh in the regulated market these are different categories of folks. Sometimes they're, uh, sometimes they're, they're overlap, but I think we miss this nuance, particularly this conversation is coming up as folks are talking about enforcement, right? A lot right. of the times nowadays is this conversation is, is coming up uh, by policymakers, regulators, journalists, when they're talking about enforcement. And when we have headlines that say things like we need to strangle the black market or, yep. you know, black market is killing us, we're personifying this, this black uh, inanimate object in the same ways that we would uh, dehumanize uh, and, and uh, not recognize the dignity of black people. That's my problem. Agree with you. Can I chime in? Oh yeah, go ahead Zaza. We got Zaza Simone chiming in live yeah. from Arizona, getting ready for that Super Bowl, girl. All right, what you got Zaza? I, I just want to say that I agree with Kat 100%. Because when it's said, it's said to be a derogatory term. It's not meant to be anything other than that. So when it's said, it's, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do to you, Kat. And it does that to so many of us. And we just don't have enough people talking about it. And as long as we have old white men making the rules and the laws about cannabis, we're always going to have this problem. So we're just... It's like we're talking to a dead horse. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to clarify that even more than just old white men. I think it's people with the the, the Western uh, colonial mindset because um, there's a lot of of there. Uh, it's not as drastic, but there are people of color as well as women who are also totally square and enforcing this mindset, like Nancy Pelosi or anybody you can see, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like she's not an old white man, but she's worse than in fact quite a, quite a few of them and. 
one of the things for folks in the chat and a lot of people who experience this and as somebody who is, you know, white appearing, like I really don't like white and black because I'm mostly pink. If you can see it, I'm kind of pink and I don't even know what color that is. Um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of people re, a, a lot of people retrench when they hear these kind of conversations because they're like, well, I, I'm white and I, you know, I had a hard life or nothing happened to me. And like, yeah, 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 me too. But here's the thing, like it took me growing up and becoming an adult to realize that like I do have that privilege because the time I got my ass beat by the cops, I was directly provoking him. I wasn't just, wasn't just existing. And, and I could see the amount of, of innate privilege that even though I've had a hard life and I've had to work and shit's happened to me, I've never once been on equal footing with a person of color when it comes to the standard Western European American reality. And so I think a, a big thing that, that, that I try to communicate when I try to bridge this communication to fellow, you know, white appearing folks is that like, it's not about your bad or your evil. It's about you. This this aquarium that you were raised in has these walls and these realities you didn't even realize because it seemed like your whole world. And what you need to do is you need to stop for a minute and look around at other people's shoes and put yourself in those shoes right. and start and think. And and I arose on this by honestly by being in the cannabis trade and dealing and, and and working with folks of color and then dealing with all types of police harassment when I was just on the on the fuck around with them. You know, we were going to like. I went with my buddy Lucky to go see fish in, in Florida in 2000. Like, I had no clue, dude. And, like, the bus drivers in Fort Lauderdale wouldn't pick us up. People wouldn't pick us up hitchhiking. And we were getting all kinds of in incredible r racist blowback. And, and it just it just opened my mind. And that was something that really started a journey for me, even though I'd already been on, the, on this tip before that. It really right. started a journey for me of just being quiet, listening, and trying to put myself in the shoes of other people who have just been under the boot of institutionalized white supremacy. It's interesting. I agree with you. I think it's all about empathy here. And my take on it is this, man. Um, we're all moving in the same direction. I think the cannabis is a communal plant. It brings us all together. It doesn't matter if you're staunch Republican or bleeding heart liberal or an anarcho-capitalist like myself. Um, cannabis brings us together. And when we have terms like this that divide us when we're all trying to move in the same direction, I see it as a distraction. And so um, if, 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 if one of my peers in the industry says that they're offended, by this term be, uh, being used, and that takes away from our conversation, trying to get these legislators on the same page with us, I'm going to kill that fucking word out of my lexicon. Yes. It's as simple as so, that. So I, I, I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate because there's an interesting uh, comment here in the chat from uh, Melissa Green. She says, mm -hmm. black market just means free and unregulated market to me. We have oh. the power to change meanings, and we do it all the time. Own yeah. it and make it yours, she says. I think it's, well, I think it's I, I wanna, where we are right I now. I jump into this. Because Go for I, it, Dale. I'm an old white dude who had the system come after me, and I was put in a position where I could have been treated like uh, a professional white person or a black person. And I was told that I was one of the golden children. I should never have been involved in what I was involved in. Uh, and this is by cops I used to represent, because I used to be inside law enforcement. And, Kat, you can understand this when you're dealing with cops. And... When they get behind closed doors and they think no one's listening, you hear what they have to say and what they think. I've also dealt with policymakers. And when you can get them behind closed doors, they use the same race, not necessarily racial epithets, but the way of thinking that brings that forward. Okay. And so in California, we changed it from marijuana to cannabis officially because it was hard to get people to recognize that. And Kat, what you understand is that from the standpoint of the Constitution, trying to bring justice to the black community through this has just hit so many brick walls because inside the system, even though white folks won't admit it, 
when a white woman calls the cops on a black guy in Central Park because he's called her out on his on the dog off the leash or, you know, shit like that, where you understand inside the policymaking community that looks a more lot a lot more like me than it does cat. These people do not like this. If you use the term black market, you get their attention. They understand it's a dark term and things like that, but it gets their attention. But behind closed doors, I try to explain to them the problems with this, that it's not a black market. It is used, we used to call it a gray market. Now it's an unregulated market and it's competing with us. And we had a cop killed up where I live up here by a cartel member and shit went off the rails. Okay. Because they went after everybody. And this is an endemic problem inside the system. I've seen it. I was treated much better than anybody else in my position when I was arrested, indicted, thrown in jail and in prison. I got different treatment. So I can tell you as a white male, I get treated differently. These terms matter. I try to catch myself because I was raised in the 50s where we were all kinds of stupid shit was put in my head. I try to catch myself now and not say it. But it's tough. And I try to bring it to consciousness and explain to other people. You can't use that term anymore. We have to have a better term. Don't it's worry. a pejorative. Uh, may I, may I, I offer something? Cat, hold on. Hold on. A cat yes, has sir. to leave in, um, oh, okay. in a second now. So yes, I just wanted to uh, leave the floor to her. Is there anything else you wanted to say before you uh, bounced on us? A uh, cat, want to be respectful of your time. Oh, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, Rico. And I, I appreciate uh, the dialogue and discussion that folks are, are having and will we'll continue. Uh, it's It's really a choice. Like we, there's so many different words that you can choose uh, to use. And I think that as we continue to have this conversation, uh, you know, there will be other things that we need to evolve on. Uh, to me, this is a simple ask. Uh, we, we have much bigger fish to fry. Uh, and I want to be able to collectively work with folks on, on all of those uh, issues. Uh, so my ask to folks is that uh, you find a replacement term. Uh, and then if you hear folks use it uh, in the context that I've described, uh, you ask them what they mean uh, and uh, ask them to use the term that they describe uh, when they say what they mean. Thank you. And real quick, what is your what is your take on freedom market? Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for the freedom market. Uh, oh, I, I, yeah. There we go. Enforcement. Let's do it. I love that. Appreciate mm -hmm. you guys so very much. I appreciate what you're doing and just keep on Thanks, doing Kat. it. And, uh, let's see more of that. Uh, more Thank of you for Kat. your time, Kat. How about that? Can I can I add something real quick? I think is Go very for important. It. Go for yes. it. So Matthew. does anybody know where the terms uh, whiteness and blackness originated? I, I bet you're going to no. tell us. Yes, sir. So there was an, a, a, a slave and indentured servant uh, rebellion in, in America called Bacon's Rebellion. It happened in 1676 to 1677. The uh, African slaves got together with the Irish and other, you know, pre then white. They were not identified as white. They were identified by the tribes of their countries. And they almost uh, overthrew the Protestant landed aristocracy of America. Um, and so what happened was when the landowners and the rich and the aristocrats crushed the rebellion, they then instituted the terms whiteness and blackness. Now, the reason was because although you wanted to keep these white serfs and, and white trash uh, under your boot as well, in order to give them something to separate them from the people of color so that they could then be con these these different factions would be at war with each other and controllable. You give them the term of whiteness. So, sure, you have nothing and your kids are dying from malnourishment. But what you do have is that you are white and you have that over the people, the, the Native Americans and the black folks and the, the Native American uh, mestizo Mexican folks coming up from 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 Mexico. You have this this 
this this this band of whiteness that means that maybe someday you may be one of these landed aristocrat and and rich people and so now you're going to band together with these people who have nothing in common with you and are oppressing you to then oppress the people that are even further down the ladder than you in hopes that someday you might attain what they have and and this same thing is perpetrated in the in the United States prison system it's perpetrated yep. all over the country and it's keeping people of color and and white folks who all have the same economic goals and goals for clean, clean water, clean food, good schools, and safety, and it's keeping them them factionalized so that they do not take what is 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 held by the again top one percent of of the aristocracy, the financial elites, and the heads of Western corporations and the Saudi Arabians primarily. Oh yeah, Matthew, so Bacon, Bacon's rebellion. Matthew St. Germain, the Count himself, man. I got to have you as my fucking hype man, bro. Well, I was there. I saw it, Rico. <laughs> I definitely he was at Bacon's Rebellion there with the bacon. Yes. Rebelling <laughs> against the force. But yeah, that's, that's a, a very good, uh, um, a great conversation, man. I definitely appreciate everybody in the uh, um, in the chat with your comments as well. We'd, lo we'd love to keep that conversation going, man, because it is something that is a bit of distraction, of a distraction to some folks. And um, like I said, I always just like to keep things focused and keep things going if we're going in the same direction. So that's the reason why I like to evolve in that world word. But let's keep it moving here. Up next, y'all know who it is. It's the Green Street wheeling and dealing, mint coat rocking, private jet hopping, longest continuously operating retailer in the game. Jason Back. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Can I tell you? I'm going to tell you, man, my story is about some people that are not having a good Wednesday. All right. But we're going to keep on having a good Wednesday. But there were dozens arrested in a weed distribution ring with orders via FedEx and UPS. Can you guys believe that? People were shipping weed. Multiple law enforcement agencies shut down an illegal cannabis distribution operation with or with orders available via FedEx, UPS, and other means of delivery. Authorities shut down an illegal distribution operation providing prompt delivery of weed and edibles sent coast-to-coast -coast via trackable orders from FedEx and UPS. Cannabis and edibles were delivered right to customers' doorsteps or, in some cases, sold through, get ready for this, a slot in a door. The two dozen defendants arrested in the operation face serious charges in the same cases, um, in some cases, life imprisonment, according to a January 31st press release from the U.S. Attorney's Office, Northern District of New York. 24 people were arrested in connection with a smuggling operation using FedEx and UPS to mail out cannabis. Authorities on the receiving end of orders in upstate New York launched an investigation and say that the operation has been running for about six years as alleged as alleged in the 99 count indictment between at least 2016 and june 2022 the statement reads dwight a singletary the second aka nut and mike jones mckenzie morales coles <laughs> aka kenzie and others shipped thousands of kilograms they used of marijuana from a for small shipping store called Fast and Pack Ship in Fresno, California. The locations throughout the United States, including the capital region of New York, customers were texted with tracking information and receipts. The report continued, the marijuana was shipped in packagers and delivered by UPS and FedEx, and to enable the recipients to receive the packages, Singletary, Coles, and others text message 
recipients with packages tracking information to the recipients and Singletary and Coles are from New York, but moved to Fresno and as alleged, principally operated their marijuana distribution scheme from California. Authorities explained that in the New York uh, capital region, weed and edibles were taken to, in quotes, knock spots, places where cannabis was sold through a slot in a door. The nicknames of several other high-ranking members were identified. David Singletary, Lawrence uh, Mumphrey, De DeAndre Codwell, a.k.a. Dilly, Dillinger, and Dre, Rosemary Coles, Niara Banks, a.k.a. Nee, Giselle Schuler, Taquanda Ketchmore, a.k.a. Kwani, Victor Turner, June Allison Olsman, a.k.a. Junie, uh, Kansanga Harris, a.k.a. Sandy, and LaFrey Pearson, a.k.a. Lala. Multiple law enforcement agencies work together in tandem to carry out the operation. The, uh, the statement was, was credited to the new United States attorney, Carla B. Friedman, John B., uh, DeVito, special agent in charge of the New York Field Division of Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, better known as the ATF. Frank A. Torrentino III, special agent in charge of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, a.k.a. the DEA, and New York Division Chief Daniel DeWolf of the Troy Police Department and Matthew Scorpio, special agent in charge of the Buffalo Field Office of Homeland Security Investigations, a.k.a. HSI. The press release explains how proceeds from the sale of cannabis and edibles were allegedly laundered through a variety of means, uh, specific minimum and maximum terms of imprisonment on the most serious counts were listed for each defendant. For the more serious def uh, offenses, defendants face up to life imprisonment with a minimum of 10-year sentences. The youngest defendant, Alyssa June White, is 29 years of age, and the oldest is Rosemary Coles, is 70 years old, you guys. The defendants who have appeared in court may have been released with conditions pending, pending trial, but not for Dwight Singletary or David Singletary and Lawrence Mumphrey, who were ordered to be detained following detention hearings earlier this month before U.S. Magistrate Judge Daniel J. Stewart. Uh, the report explains that the ATF, DEA, Troy Police Department, Fresno County Sheriff's Office, and HSI are investigating these cases in Assistant U.S. Attorney Cyrus P.W. Reek and Dustin C. Segovia are prosecuting the case. Man, oh, man, you guys, boxes, boxes, boxes everywhere. This is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News. What's in your mailbox or your slot box? Those those, 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 those uh, um, um, fictitious names are fantastic. <laughs> yeah, use the word nut and then bust in the same sentence, and it doesn't talk about sex. It's, you know, let's. You're screwed, right? You're screwed either way, right, Dale? Screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You better pucker. <laughs> well, I got I got popped, uh, I guess, because somebody working with me sent something through UPS. So it's you know this was twenty something years ago. It, you didn't learn then, you know what the fuck do you think you're going to get as a defense here? And it it always it just it irritates the shit out of me when they hang a life sentence over people because um, in the federal system this is a minimum of ten year 
Cool. The starting point, if you're an organizer and things like that, they start tagging stuff on. It just seems ridiculous that, as Lincoln said, making the prohibition makes something precious. And if people can make money, they're going to make money. You, so. know, you, know, you notice they didn't list DHL there. <laughs> they're probably smoking <laughs> along the way and not calling the DEA. I mean, no. I mean, Gretchen, you live you live in uh, out in D.C. Have you ever had a package arrive in your slot box? <laughs> she did get some furniture installed last week i'm gonna i wish i could just leave myself on mute for this whole story are the penalties uh different for uh sending cannabis through the u.s postal service versus fedex and ups because i always thought yes I was told that you're you're more likely to be caught doing it through those delivery services versus the mail. Um, so so that 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 is a, a very uh, uh, good point on that, Doctor Felicia. So um, the United States Postal Service is a federal agency, and so therefore, anytime you're caught shipping with the USPS, you are automatically guilty of federal charges. Um, when you ship with other other things, it depends on what agency kinds of bust you and where you get busted at. This, of course, is a federal is 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 a federal crime and is being prosecuted by the federal government. Um, but that all depends on where people get caught up in the supply chain. So, so if 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 a mailman or male lady or male person were um, caught carrying a package of cannabis, would they have been pardoned by Joe Biden? possession they would no they would, they would they would they'd be federally immune they're, they're federally yeah. immune because they're 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 yeah they have they have uh they're a governmental employees given immunity from this if they're yep. following the course of their employment correct that's what Ed rosenthal argued when he was a uh, growing weed for the city of oakland many many years ago so yeah knew. but he didn't he didn't they didn't end up deputizing him and come and they, they did they deputized him to come up with that defense they didn't originally deputize well, him originally to do that it's it scared the shit out of the federal government. Yeah, and the only reason only reason Oakland got that idea is because um because Santa Cruz originally deputized uh Mike and Valerie Corral for their cultivation. No one would deputize me, so I, I, I get it. I remember. I feel you, buddy. I feel you. Am I the only person that knows you're only supposed to send weed via USPS and not FedEx or UPS? Right. <laughs> they even, so, they even, even take your ID. At, uh, at at the at UPS and FedEx now. Yeah, so. you go to USPS, you pay cash. There's no ID. You put right. it in priority mail. The one thing that I I I, I learned from a friend was <laughs> you have to <laughs> you have to put your weed into hard plastic packaging because they will actually stab through the boxes with a That's metal hanger nice. and smell for weed. Yeah. Hold so on, Jason, hold on. We have we have another. I was going to say, when your know. boy Trump's uh, postmaster general stalled the post office for three weeks a couple years ago, there's somebody that we both know and love lost 10 pounds of weed. I mean, don't blame it Not on me. Trump, bro. Just blame it on poor packaging on your end. We have another attorney in the room. We have Mark Wasserman of the Pop Brothers in Law. What do you have to say on this, Mark? Just shut the I have to say I uh, am representing a lot of people who walk into a post office and they're unaware that it's being watched and surveilled because they are watching post offices and they are taking pictures and video of people dropping off suspicious looking boxes and then following them around and it leads to nice big busts so it's basically a crapshoot you know there's plenty of people more that get away with it of course 
But if you're the one that gets caught, you are not going to be happy. But those are the things that are going on. So just like McDonald's, uh, the USPS is laying off people, but they're employing cameras. Yeah. I've gotten those calls also where um, somebody was busted outside of USPS where they watched them on camera and then stopped them on the street outside. And they were just fucked because they were on camera. They had the packages. They were looking for them. So, yeah, I I agree with Mark. You're taking a crapshoot here. It's like packing weed going on the airlines. If you're the guy that gets popped or the person that gets popped, you're just fucked. CC, you are. Like this is what we call the risk reward scenario and why there's still some money in weed, you guys. That's uh, that's why there's no money in legal weed, because the risk reward scenario has turned over. A lot of people forget that, man. Like the reason there was money in weed is because there was dudes with machine guns repelling out of helicopters to ruin your life. Like that's where the money was. Free to market with caution. We got to keep we got to keep it rolling. We're going to roll it right into Gretchen. Let's go. Are you with us, Gretchen? Are you going to start participating? <laughs> you know what? I'll start participating when I get paid to be here. And you can start All right. So up next, when she is not dressing up her pit bulls in aprons and pajamas, you know you can find her on K Street mingling with the uh with people across the aisle uh, trying to uh, bust down the system as only she knows how. Russian oligarch money. Up next is the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington insider, Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. My headline today is coming from uh, the New York Daily News. Uh, Illegal weed shops in New York City to face eviction under new crackdown plan by Adams and Bragg. We want to give New York's legal cannabis market a fair chance to thrive. This is said by Bragg. The announcement Tuesday comes as New York and other municipalities in the state continue to adjust a relatively new law that legalized the recreational consumption and sale of marijuana in 2021. To sell weed legally under the state law, purveyors must first acquire licenses from the state. The first dispensary in the Big Apple owned in December, but the vast majority of store-based weed merchants in the city are still operating without permission. Those illegal operations, some of which market pot kids, have prompted a crackdown from leaders like Adams, who announced last month that the city sheriff seized 600 pounds of illegal weed and Councilwoman Gail Brewer, who recently dispatched staffers to document the breadth of illegal sales in her district. Adams noted that many of the shops targeted by law enforcement so far have resumed their operations, a sign they view the penalties are merely a cost of doing business. Bragg expressed hope that the city's new weed policy will drive the cost up so high shops should breaking the law and said his office would prioritize cases where it appears the most harm is being done. While we're not ruling out criminal prosecutions for tax evasion, money laundering, or the sale of cannabis to minors, the focus of this initiative at this time is civil enforcement. We want to give New York's legal cannabis market a fair chance to thrive and give New Yorkers the security of knowing that a safe orderly system is in place. City officials also announced Tuesday that the city filed nuisance complaints against four East Village shops caught selling THC and cannabis products illegally to minors. City Corporation Council Sylvia Hines Radix said those complaints come after a city official observed shops selling marijuana products to an underage undercover auxiliary officer. These items include blunts and weed products touted as bubblegum and Oreo flavored. 
The NYPD tested the cannabis, and let me highlight for you, there was no fruit or bubblegum or candy in these purchases. Heinz Raddick said the city law department has taken the first steps in Manhattan Supreme Court to stop the illegal activity, but wouldn't immediately provide an exact timeline on when her nuisance and complaints might be addressed by the court. If the defendants continue to ignore the law, we'll seek a court order to close them down. Councilwoman Julie Menon told the Daily News that part of the city's approach to preventing sales to minors should include more public outreach. In a letter sent Tuesday to the mayor, she and Councilwoman Diana Ayala demanded Adams commit to a robust marketing campaign educating the public about the health risks of purchasing cannabis from unlicensed sellers. We definitely need more outreach. In their letter to the mayor, Menon and Ayala also made the case that much of the marijuana currently being sold through illegal shops is laced, a possibility Adams and other city officials alluded at their announcement Tuesday. Miners buying from unregulated sellers lack regulatory state testing. Private testing has found that the cannabis products sold from illegal operations by unlicensed retailers often contain harmful contaminants. Adams floated the possibility that weed being sold at unlicensed smoke shops could be laced with fentanyl, but said to his knowledge, there have been no confirmed cases of that yet. In some cases, they can be laced with fentanyl. These are dangerous products. The mayor's office and NYPD did not immediately respond to questions about what, if anything, the weed seized from illegal shops was laced with. Despite his remarks on fentanyl, Adams has typically been more careful to temper his rhetoric on weed by saying the city is not looking to take an approach that's too heavy-handed. Last June, he said the city would rely on first warning stores operating outside the law. And in December, he said the city's goal is not to imprison violators. On Tuesday, he continued in that vein. Adams said, our goal is not to turn one punitive approach to marijuana possession into another punitive approach. Legalizing cannabis was a major step forward, but we're not going to sit back and watch that progression go up in smoke because people want to emerge in an illegal market. Um, I say, Mayor Adams, you're going to have quite the tough tough fight on your hands. Uh, New York has got quite the uphill battle. Uh, I really don't know how they're going to get it under control. Uh, This is Gretchen Fry at 9 News. I told you how they're going to get it under control. Gretchen, the, uh, he opened up, he reintroduced open windows policies. Uh, the Juliana era stop and frisk model is back and uh, prepare to see New York's very own stop and frisk measures being taken place on the, on, on the scenes. Very you soon. know what this means? Oh, go that? ahead, Dale. Go ahead, Dale. We, we have a long body of law in California. We started doing this right after SB 420 where they, they issued, it made them public nuisance. There was zoning ordinances passed, and then they went to abate these nuisances. So if New York wants to know how this worked out, take a look at California because it fucking shit the bed. Okay. But we have a whole body of law of what they tried to do. And the real problem still is that the unregulated market is more profitable than the, in the, than the regulated market. And until we get to the heart of that, the rest of this. You're going to keep arguing yourself blue in the face here because the local cops will turn the other direction uh, if their palms are greased. This is the, the this going clear back to the 20s. It's just a brand new speakeasy market we have in California called trap shops. It's not going to get solved until we get the public to understand that um, the regulated market is out there and can fill the entire market or enough of the market that it's no longer a problem. And we're not even close to that yet. 
Well, not only that, Dale, but also the over-taxation and over-regulation because who wants to pay for the same product they could pay $40 for as opposed to pay $70 for? Well, and that's the problem with the policymakers is they all thought, oh, this is just an illegal market. Let's go have them dig some money up in the backyard and give it to us for the privilege of doing this. And the problem is they can screwed the pooch here because mm-hmm. they overtaxed and overregulated. And the, the friends I have that were those progressive demanding that you regulate every damn thing and they want to get a license. Now they're shitting themselves because they're overtaxed and overregulated. It's like, well, you know, be careful what you ask for, because this is what we've got. This market cannot compete with the unregulated market. Full stop. Well, I will say this, and this may not be a popular opinion of some people in, in this in this room and whatnot. But, you know, you know what this ultimately means, right? Ultimately means that the price of weed is about to go up because if they go and start enforcement in New York and start raiding on all those shops and they're all going to have to recop, which is going to cause more more demand with less supply because a lot of people have turned their licenses off. Yes. That means the price of weed is going up, people. Prices well, is up. from your location, Long Beach become the new location to ship by USPS, right? I'll, I mean, that may, may I don't I don't know about all that, Dale, but you know I'm gonna let you take your word for it. You're the lawyer in the room. Uh, Jason and Dale. Jason yes, and Dale, go ahead, Doctor Felicia. Yes. Question: uh, I understand that the taxes are too high, and they definitely need to come down. What are some examples of regulations that you all feel should be discarded? I mean, anything that has to do with a tax. I mean, I'm fine with just a normal sales tax on there. But anytime you're taxing all the way through the supply chain, you have local municipalities taxing taxing manufacturing. You have local municipalities taxing distribution and all of this. And then you have this e- erroneous uh, 15% excise tax that is really 27%. I believe it's about to go up. I forget what date it goes up, but it goes up again even higher than that. And that is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. I got the taxes part. I got the taxes part. What I'm asking about are what regulations that are currently on the books that you all want to discard. Well, oh, man, I there's would, a whole whole bunch of those. Go ahead, though, Dale. Let me just jump in here. One of the problems we have in California, and this runs throughout the country, is what we call local control. <laughs> Unless the state steps in to occupy an entire area, they leave it to locals to have um, zoning regulations. And what we face in California is they just say, no, we don't want it here. <clears throat> and then you, you can't bring it into the area, even though you got a goddamn liquor store in every corner in the, in the town. Word. So that's one that I think we need to get in. I'm telling you, the conservative policymakers out there are going to shit themselves. They don't want to give it the control. Maybe it's not just conservatives. Anybody who's a policymaker that wants to control this, they don't want to give up that kind of local control. But until we get rid of that and we have statewide regulations that – you can say where it can be, but you can't say it can't be here. We're we're still pushing that rock up the hill. So that's one I'd say, Felicia, we need to get rid of. Take them off the books. We're we're running exactly. out of time. So let's, let's yeah, we got ad. Yep, we got we have some ads, you guys. Oh yeah, coming. Flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world, then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX, located at 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention that to get high at 9 for 10% off your full order. 
The thoughts and opinions in general overall shade thrown on high and nine news are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily offended person, this show is probably not for you and if you're in new york you should probably go and buy some weed at the trap shop before they go and close them down Up next, he is the founding partner at Armada Law Corp and everybody's foul mouth uncle and the man with more dirty one-liners than an EDM pre-party. Give it up for Dale Schaefer. Ah, good morning, everybody. My uh, story today comes out of Law 360. The headline is XCBD Exec Seeks Fees for Influencers Anti-Slap Motion. This is an ongoing discussion that I'm having with people who are in court and they fuck around and find out what happens. Um, it turns out that uh, we have a former executive from Ignite International that apparently was founded by Instagram personality Dan um, Bilzerian that um, got fired. Okay, So he filed suit against uh, Ignite and uh, Bilzerian went on TMZ and said he was incompetent and was using drugs in a, in a meeting. Well, if you've never represented people in this industry, uh, incompetent leaders and people using drugs in meetings is so common. It's like, okay, well, what the f is that all about? Because it goes on a lot. Um, but it turns out that um, this guy, and his, make sure I got his name here, Heffernan, um, he amended his complaint to add defamation. And so what Bilzerian and Ignite did is that they file what we call an anti-slap motion. And slap stands for a strategic lawsuit against public participation. And it turns into a First Amendment pissing match. Okay, uh, this guy Heffernan said that you defamed me, you made an intentionally false statement that caused me damages. And Bill Zarian Ignite said, oh no, this was in a public forum and this involves public interest. So they filed a slap suit, an anti-slap suit. And the judge basically slapped them down and told them that we have controlling authority in California. And what you're saying doesn't even come close to that. It's basically a frivolous motion, denied it. Uh, that Bill Zarian and Ignite appealed it, went to the appellate court. Same thing, got the shit knocked out of them, told, no, it's frivolous, get out of here. Uh, and so Heffern then filed uh, under our, our anti slap statute. And if you're want to know what this is it's code of civil procedure section 425.16 and if you defeat one of these motions you get your costs and attorney's fees and right now they set at $103,050 well these guys appeal to the supreme court so this is going to stay on hold for a minute until the supreme court of california gets a chance to look at it but if they lose up there also there's going to just be more fees and what this brings up for me as a litigator is that when you get into court and if you ever find yourself in court, be very careful what you do and say in there, 
because this is not the court of public opinion. This is a court where a judge will kick your ass. If you lie to him, if you bring up frivolous bullshit like this is. And I started this discussion with the InfoWars guy who was told, you're going to give us discovery. And he basically told the judge, fuck you, pound sand. And he had a finding against him, cost him millions of dollars. Uh, Donald Trump is finding out what happens when you file frivolous bullshit lawsuits. And he and his attorney got fined almost a million dollars, nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars for the same thing. Attorney's fees and costs. So this will be an ongoing discussion. But in the cannabis industry, this is the first time where we've had this sort of a public pissing match where um, some of these characters and this guy's described as an influencer, whatever the I'm an old dude. I don't know what the fuck that means, but he's an Instagram personality and influencer and they got bitch slapped here. So let's open this back up for discussion. Whichever way you guys want this to go, I'm here to give you whatever barrel of bullshit an old attorney can give you. Here we go. It looks, it looks like Dale, they, uh, they fucked around and they found out. They did, or they're gonna. Uh, Dale, when, when is the judge expected to rule on this case? Well, at I don't think they didn't say in these. And, and one of the problems with these short little articles is they're written for the general public. They're not written for attorneys. So they didn't give us that. I didn't go look all this shit up. They filed it. I suspect the judge is going to hold on to it until the Supreme Court either takes the case up or decides to tell him to go pound sand and then they'll renew it and take the cost evaluations. It's, at this point, it's just how much is this going to cost you? I mean, I imagine they're going to tell him to go pound sand. I don't think they're going to take this case up. You think well, they would? It, no, I can't imagine because the Supreme Court has a, a decent rule where the First Amendment starts and ends. And mm -hmm. that's, that's what this is about. When you freely speak your mind, it's not always free because sometimes it's, it's like the Dominion case. You know, I'm following that. They, a bunch of people went out in a public forum and said things that were public interest, but they knew they were intentionally false and they were maliciously stated. And I think they're going to get their asses kicked, too. Damn. Slaps, kicks. So you know what? You know what I think. You know what I think would make a good show. I saw everyone talking about UFC and whatnot. Yeah. I think we need to get UFC. Do you remember how, like, like the People's Court and all the things? If you went and had your court thing, um, they would just like they pay for your hotel and whatnot, and then uh, you could uh, then then like regardless of the outcome, they would they they would pay they would pay the outcome, so you could just kind of walk away and and change. They got the entertainment value out of your case and your antics and everything else like that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I think I think the UFC needs to do something like this with slap cases and just have slap boxing matches between the plaintiffs and the defendants and whoever wins wins. And then UFC just pays for the outcome. And if it's Mech draw, brings you America's favorite new court show. And yes. Draw, the judge gets the slap. Trial by combat with Jason Beck. Yeah. You like you like if and like if you win, you can like pick up the gavel and slap him with the gavel afterwards or something. You know what I mean? With or do a backflip yeah. off the rings and the ropes and land yes. on yeah. them. You just got yes. pissed. around and found out. That goes you just from got a slapped. Hand, that goes from an open hand slap to just like assault with a deadly weapon, Jason. You take yeah, Gre Gretchen, Gretchen, I saw, I saw you said that you like, you like slap cases. So, what is your favorite part of a slap case? Well, <laughs> <laughs> this this may make me sound like Trap. a huge nerd because I am definitely serious. Uh, this was a, a one of a, a course I covered in college. It was all about the First Amendment, and all we covered were various slap cases. Um, so it was very, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, topic. I'd love to see that it's getting into cannabis. Would you, would you, would you, if, 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 
UFC got behind this idea, would you go to a UFC no, match? I think you're an idiot. I think case? you're no. Don't <laughs> <laughs> No tolerance for you today, Jason. No I want the hat and the T-shirt and all the other good shit to give away. Oh man! Oh man! Let's, let's, we, got, we got one more ad. Let's move along yeah. to say Come on! Let's run the ad. Killing me. pranksters in the brotherhood of eternal love he has a hogwarts phd in tripping balls and making mushroom brews that's right it's the immortal transylvanian count himself matthew saint germain hi everybody matthew saint germain acolyte of dolphin jesus if you want to find out about him ask me sometime my story today is some more science a new peer-reviewed study came out that shows that smoking cannabis is not associated with impaired lung functioning. Smoking cannabis was not associated with impaired lung functioning for young adults in a new longitudinal study published in Respiratory Medicine. The new study from researchers at the University of Queensland in Australia examined whether chronic, chronic cannabis use was associated with damaging effects on the lung of young adults specifically. To investigate this, researchers followed a cohort of 1,173 uh, young adults from ages 21 until they reached age 30, testing their lung functions using a spiro, uh, using spirometry assessment. I'm having trouble with my face today. At the beginning and end of the nine-year period, spirometry tests are commonly used to help to diagnose lung conditions like asthma, COPD. It's the thing where you blow and you have to keep the ball a certain height in the tube with your lung power. Uh, researchers also tracked whether the members of the cohort smoked cannabis, tobacco, both, or nothing over the nine years. This was done using questionnaires at age 21 and 30 when the lung function tests were also performed. Afterwards, researchers analyzed the data to see whether cannabis smoking over that nine years had reduced lung function. The results showed the expected association between tobacco smokers and reduced airflow. Those who smoked cigarettes alone or cigarettes with cannabis had reductions in their airflow over the nine-year period. Cannabis did not add to these reductions over and above what was already found for tobacco-only smokers. But perhaps surprisingly, in light of the recent findings on cannabis and emphysema, smoking cannabis alone did not reduce airflow or seem to impact lung functioning. Even after nine years of use, cannabis smoke exposure did not seem to impact the lungs. The authors concluded that cannabis does not appear to be related to lung function even after years of use. They also concluded that using cannabis with tobacco doesn't seem to add any additional risk to the lungs beyond the harms already associated with smoking tobacco. In contrast, the respiratory medicine study did study cannabis-only smokers and found no differences, once again, from the non-smoking group. The study in radiology also used a relatively small sample size of only 146 patients, which was compared, uh, that was the emphysema study, which can be compared to the 1,173 respondents in this study that found no effects on lung function from smoking cannabis. That said, it's important to note some of the other difference between these two studies that could partly explain their seemingly conflicting results. The radiology study used a CT scan, which was actually detecting um, um, abnormalities, possibly, or mucus in the lungs, whereas this was uh, just the spirometry. 
Um, also, the radiology study was on much older individuals who may have had much more time to damage their lungs. And again, the other study was on on the youth. Um, what this really shows is that a lot of this uh, science is still open. And what I would posit, too, is for a lot of us older smokers, we smoked weed out of any paper we could find, aluminum cans, the ground, apples, every type of plastic. And so there could be some associated lung damage for all of us idiots who were leading the way. Um, this is St. Germain for the Hyatt 9 News. I'm really excited to hear what you guys have to what ab- uh, contribute. What about glowies, Matthew? What about all the people that did glowies? Oh, red hot dabs? Yeah. Present. Yeah, probably not good. Too soon <laughs> to know, I think. And one of the things we talked about earlier is um, that Dr. Taskin did a similar study back in the 80s, I believe, pissed off the DEA. And so we've done another one now. And I think that uh, if you look back at the history of the use of cannabis medicinally, when they had only anecdotal evidence, they figured out that smoking weed's a bronchodilator, so it helps with that. And in our family, we had a, a physician back at the turn of the 20th century that was treating him, uh, tuberculosis using cannabis that way. And the other issue, and, and I think Dr. Gretchen, I mean, uh, Dr. Felicia, understand this is apoptosis. Smoking weed does not stop the natural destruction of cells that go on to produce uh, cancerous tumors where the tars from n- tobacco definitely do that so i'm glad to see this happening but it's like shit okay and then you bring in what about the kids now okay well all right well it doesn't cause problems to your lungs and your kids are probably smoking it so let's stop pretending like this ain't really happening out there what, what are we going to learn from all this are we going to do another study do you think it's do you think it's the additives uh, that are in cigarettes that, uh, that are bought over the counter that uh, might be contributing to a lot of that shit well, I, I don't know. My, my father-in-law was a physician during World War II, and he told me the first time they ever saw lung cancer, they brought everybody into the surgical suite to watch because this was in the 1940s and lung cancer was unheard of. So if you would think just from that standpoint, the additives and things they put into it from growing it and preserving it, it's got to play some role. Um, but you can't do that kind of, this is not Auschwitz. You don't get to do that kind of study on people. So you just get to collect data and maybe surmise about it. Was so another me? reason why uh, 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 <laughs> tobacco is causing up, uptick in lung cancer is the cheap phosphates that tobacco farmers use are high in polonium-210 and lead-210. Those are both radioactive isotopes. And there's a if you Google it, there's a, a long list of studies that show that this radiation actually impacts the mouth, throat, and lungs of tobacco smokers and people who chew tobacco. And there's far lower rates of cancer amongst the South American indigenous who use the Nicotiana rustica version of tobacco because it is not grown with fertilizers. It's just grown in native soil. Yes, indeed. Well, I'm I'm not I'm I'm very um, uh, reassured by the results of this study. And while I don't recommend combusting or smoking if you're taking cannabis as medicine, the fact of the matter is is that this plant has so many much many more beneficial molecules in it to seems to counteract the combustion um, product problem. So, uh, ca- cannabis is an amazing plant. That's all I can say. Well, and I I go back to the uh, study the British did at the end of the the, um, 1800s, the Indian Hemp Commission report, and they looked all across India, people that were smoking everything, get their hands on made from this plant. They didn't find lung cancer. They found schizophrenia, but, you know, not not in any any levels um, different from people who weren't hash eaters and things like that. There's a lot we can learn from these unbiased um, statistical reports from the past. So it's like we have our head up our ass now about this. We've got to go prove it 15 ways from Sunday. 
it's what we had to do with PTSD and veterans. We had to go prove that smoking weed makes you sleep better when you got PTSD from warfare. It's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. But now we've got to have this in writing so we can go to the DEA and say, look, we've proved it has medical value. And we never get in front of a goddamn court to have that decision put in front of them. Goddamn. Thank you all. Did did anybody else learn to uh, not to burn off the chrome off their hot knives by uh, smoking it a couple times through the cardboard tube first? That's (laughs) it. I'll leave you with that. (laughs) Tin cans, cardboard, aluminum foil, whatever we had, man. So thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for tuning in for another episode of High Nine News. Catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to the live audience members and online supporters. Great, great, great engagement today. Definitely appreciate everybody's input today on the developing cannabis industry known as GOSS. Our vetted industry correspondent team from all over the global community bringing us variety perspective and adding your expertise to the opinions and conversation today. The High Nine production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and Zsa Simone holding things down over in Clubhouse, keeping us in our AV on point. And to the haters, pound sand. Go out there and, and let Eric Andrews tear your butthole apart. I hope you do. I hope you do. <laughs> and finally, Cannabis Sativa L, you are the reason why we show up every day and read these stories. And now uh, we can never give them as much justice as you can. It is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. The show is over. You've been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope was enough to put in your smoke. Put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow. Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. And, um... Life gives y'all no place else to turn. You can always turn the fuck up. Take us out, Adam.